squeezed, feeling absurdly happy, maybe the happiest he had felt since moving back in with his parents. He had not spent a day in Monroeville when he didn't think about seeing her. He was depressed. He daydreamed about her, stories that began with exactly this moment. Or not exactly this moment. He had not imagined them both made up like partially decomposed corpses, but close enough. When he woke every morning in his bedroom over his parents' garage, he felt flat and listless. He'd lie on his lumpy mattress and stare at the skylights overhead. The skylights were milky with dust, and through them every sky appeared the same, a bland, formless white. Nothing in him wanted to get up. What made it worse was he still remembered what it felt like to wake in that same bed with a teenager's sense of his own limitless possibilities. To wake charged with enthusiasm for the day. If he daydreamed about meeting Harriet again and falling into their old friendship, and if these early morning daydreams sometimes turned explicitly sexual, if he remembered being with her in her father's shed, her back on the stained cement, her two skinny legs pulled open, her socks still on, then at least it was something to stir his blood a little. Get him going. All his other daydreams had thorns on them, handling them always, threatened a sudden sharp prick of pain. They were still holding each other when a boy spoke close by. Mom, who are you hugging? Bobby Conroy opened his eyes, shifted his gaze to the right. A little blue-faced dead boy with limp black hair was staring at them. He wore a hooded sweatshirt. The hood pulled up. Harriet's grip on Bobby relaxed. Then slowly, her arms slid away. Bobby regarded the boy for an instant longer, the kid was no older than six, and then dropped his eyes to Harriet's hand, the wedding band on her ring finger. Bobby looked back at the kid, forced a smile. Bobby had been to more than 700 auditions during his years in New York City, and he had a whole catalog of phony smiles. Hey, Chumley, Bobby said. I'm Bobby Conroy, your mom and me are old buddies from way back when mastodons walked the earth. Bobby's my name, too, the boy said. Do you know a lot about dinosaurs? I'm a big dinosaur guy myself. Bobby felt a sick pang that seemed to go right through the middle of him. He glanced at her face. Didn't want to. Couldn't help himself. And found Harriet watching him. Her smile was anxious and compressed. My husband... Picked it, she said. She was, for some reason, patting Bobby's leg. After a Yankee, he's from Albany originally. I know about mastodons, Bobby said to the boy, surprised to find that his voice sounded just the same as it ever did. Big, hairy elephants the size of school buses. They once roamed the entire Pennsylvanian plateau and left mountainous mastodon poops everywhere, one of which later became Pittsburgh. The kid grinned and threw a quick glance at his mother, perhaps to appraise what she made of this offhand reference to poop. She smiled indulgently. Bobby saw the kid's hand and recoiled. Oh, wow, that's the best wound I've seen all day. What is that, a fake hand? Three fingers were missing from the boy's left hand. Bobby grabbed at it and yanked on it, expecting it to come off. But it was warm and fleshy under the blue makeup, and the kid pulled it out of Bobby's grip. No, he said. It's just my hand. That's the way it is. 
Bobby blushed so intensely his ears stung and was grateful for his makeup. Harriet touched Bobby's wrist. He really doesn't have those fingers, she said. Bobby looked at her, struggling to frame an apology. Her smile was a little fretful now, but she wasn't visibly angry with him, and the hand on his arm was a good sign. I stuck them into the table saw, but I don't remember because I was so little, the boy explained. Dean is in lumber, Harriet said. Is Dean staggering around here somewhere? Bobby asked, craning his head and making a show of looking around. Although, of course, he had no idea what Harriet's Dean might look like. Both floors of the atrium at the center of the mall were crowded with other people like them, made up to look like the recent dead. They sat together on benches or stood together in groups chatting, laughing at one another's wounds, or looking over the mimeographed pages they had been given of the screenplay. The mall was closed. Steel gates pulled...